For the past 13 weeks, dating all the way back to May, Coach Pat Kilby and I have unpacked every single scholarship player for the North Carolina Tar Heels for this upcoming basketball season. But we are not done yet because there is a group of young men who we cannot leave out. Who is it, Pat Kilby? The Biscuit Boys. The Biscuit Boys. Let's do it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade. Joining me as he does every Wednesday is the man, Coach Pack Kilby. So glad he's here with us. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. The show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so please subscribe now. It doesn't cost you a thing, and it'll make sure that you get your team every day. For those of you watching, if you would, please smash the like button and leave some awesome comments about the Biscuit Boys so they know how loved they are. Speaking of which, that, that is the goal here tonight, Pack. right? We, we want to make sure we've given all this love to all the scholarship guys, the guys that get all the minutes, but we want to make sure that we honor the entire team. And so our goal here today, folks, is to make sure that you know and love and appreciate these four guys, what they bring to UNC basketball, and hopefully young men just like them for all the years to come. Now, we're going to talk more about that, but let's introduce them first. Uh, there, there might be more guys that get called up from JV at some point this season, but there are four we know of right now. Pack, why don't you uh, start and introduce us to Mr. Dewey? Yeah, so Dewey Ferris is a biscuit boy. He is a forward, uh, six foot seven, 210 pounds. So dude's got a good frame. Uh, yeah. And here's the deal, man. Like, I know we're going to talk more about this, but these guys aren't slouches. You know, these guys have good athletic bodies. They're good players um, in their own respective way. Yeah. They may not be your traditional Carolina Tar Heel, but they're good players nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, so Dewey, Dewey coming in six foot seven, two hundred and ten pounds, repping number thirty four for the Tar Heels, and you can find this man on Twitter and Instagram. Both of them are the same, Dewey Ferris. That's it's nice to have a unique name, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, just slap it right in there. So, uh, and he is—he's a great follow on Twitter and Instagram. He's—he's he's hilarious. So, oh, man, that's so good. Next, let me introduce you to Mr. Creighton Lebo. Uh, he is a guard for the Tar Heels, just like his dad before him. Six foot one, weighs 180 pounds, number 25. As we've said, Jeff Lebo's son, one of the great Tar Heel guards of all time now, as you are well aware, back on the coaching staff, helping all these guards shoot better. That's why those free throw numbers and the three-pointers are getting up. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Lebo's son on Twitter, Creighton is just inverted, Lebo Creighton. And uh, Creighton is C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, just like that awful school in Nebraska that nobody likes because of what they did to Kendall Marshall. And on Instagram, it is flipped back around, Creighton underscore Lebo. Keep it going, Pack. Yes, sir. Rob Landry coming in next for the Biscuit Boys. Uh, Rob comes to us from Greensboro, North Carolina. So he's a Carolina native. 
Um, he is the son of Tar Heel legend Pierce Landry. That's right. Uh, Rob plays guard, uh, six foot four hundred ninety pounds, and reps number fifteen for the Tar Heels. My man Rob is not in the Twitter sphere, so can't give him a follow there. But he is on Instagram, Rob Landry fifteen. Absolutely, Rob. If if you are on Twitter and we just haven't found it, call us out. Or if you guys know where where Rob is at, let us know. Uh, but for now, we're going to say Rob doesn't have Twitter, and we're calling you out, homie. Get on the Twitter. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Finishing it off with the last of the quartet of Biscuit Boys is Mr. Jackson Watkins. Jackson's going to be a senior this year. Comes from uh, Virginia. He is a guard as well. Six foot one, hundred eighty pounds. Jersey number is 30, which makes sense when you start to hear his social media handles. On Twitter, our guy Jackson is jwatkins underscore three zero. And on Instagram, just his name, jacksonwatkins30. And so that is our four Biscuit Boys. Now, uh, people might be wondering like, hey, why on earth are you guys calling this this quadrant, uh, this quad of guys, this quartet, that's what I should be saying, uh, the Biscuit Boys. Here's why. Uh, if you're watching, you probably know this, but let's just make sure that we're all on the same page. At North Carolina, when the Tar Heels score 100 points, Bojangles, I, I shouldn't give them free advertising, some company that sells chicken and biscuits, uh, a little fast food down in the South. Um, uh, if Carolina gets to 100 points, there's this deal. Uh, you can get two sausage biscuits for $1 the next day. It's only valid the next day. Um, and it's weird, Pac, because it's it's not honestly that good a deal. I mean, it, like, sure, a, a buck for two sausage biscuits, I'll take it. But, man, like, give me a free bowberry biscuit or something. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Dribble that icing on there. Let's get yeah. after that bowberry. So uh, it's just funny how that becomes such a thing. But people just love it when Carolina hits the century mark. And they go crazy over these Bojangles deals that they're probably not even going to go out and do the next day. And so these walk-on guys are called the Biscuit Boys because usually they're able to get into the game around the time where Carolina's close to scoring 100 points. And so 100 points, walk-ons coming in. It's a mashup made in heaven, the Biscuit Boys. I love it, Pac. And yeah. so um, here, here's where I want to go with this with you. You as a coach are very in tune with, very aware of everything that the entirety of a roster can bring to helping the, the whole team, the on-court product. And so um, I just want to start there. As a coach, why are you appreciative of the players that work hard in practice, do all the stuff, but rarely see the court? Well, for one, I mean, that just shows the character of them. They're willing to to do all the the hard stuff without really much of the glory. And so as a coach, I mean, you you want those guys that they say, hey, let me play for the name on the front of the jersey and not mm -hmm. the name on the back. And so for one, that's just a testament to them. But number two, they make such a huge difference in the culture, right? So you've got a bunch of guys that, uh, first of all, they bring energy on the bench. I mean, if you've been to or watched the Carolina game, it's pretty clear you can see those guys, they're active, they're engaged, they're yes. cheering their teammates on, they're coming up with these crazy uh, celebrations, you know, and so they're they're fun, they're engaging, they bring the energy. Uh, when there's a timeout, you can see Jackson, Jackson Watkins and Creighton and those guys running onto the floor to chest bump RJ and Caleb and 
they just bring so much life into the program. And here's the cool thing. You guys see it on game day. I guarantee you that's their role in practice too, is to get in there and bring energy, make their teammates better, be uplifting. And so they're playing a role that we don't necessarily see, but man, they're key. They're important. Yeah. Yeah, man, absolutely. And it's funny when you talk about the bench, like here's a place that a lot of Tar Heels see it. Obviously at Carolina, Theo Pinson was a huge big minutes eater player in the NBA currently for the Mavericks. He's just not playing that much, but that is what, man, Theo is like this ultimate bench teammate. And I feel like nationally now is known and renowned for that. And that is what these guys are bringing to Carolina currently and and like you said pack so much that they bring in practice in terms of being able to uh be the dummy offense of like hey carolina is getting ready to play this team okay so you're going to pretend to be palo bancaro or whoever it is and emulate the duke offense and defense and, and things of that nature and so yeah, yeah. Th there are things that we aren't seeing behind the scenes and so that I, I just want to start off by making sure the general public really realizes everything, all the time, blood, sweat, tears, dedication that these guys put into the team, probably in some ways more so even than the scholarship guys, because they have to just work often that little extra bit harder. Really want to keep talking about a lot of this, but we need to go ahead and take a break. And then we're going to dive right back into talking more about the this uh, quartet of the Biscuit Boys. So let me tell you about Bet Online, which is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info. From live in-game betting to scores and podcasts, they have you covered. So head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. And and so, Pat, I, I ended that last little bit by talking about some of what uh, the the walk-on guys will bring at practice, acting as like the dummy offense of a team. In in I know it's not actually. I think I said Palo Bancaro. It's not actually Palo Bancaro. But how can these guys like getting into character, essentially, why can that be so beneficial in the run up to a game? Well, first of all, I mean, just take a second to realize how difficult that is for them. The yes. IQ they have to have. Yes. You know, the guys that play they're they know Carolina stuff. They know what we run. They know how we're going to guard different things. These guys are having to learn different things every game. OK, so this is a difficult challenge. Um, and they have a high IQ for the game because of that. Um, but, man, how important it is, is it's key. It's crucial because um, they're giving you a live look at what you're going to be facing. Now, their skill sets may not match exactly. I understand that. But just understanding and guarding something live in practice can go a huge – it can pay huge dividends down the line. And so um, – those guys do a great job of that, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure the coaching staff does a great job of preparing them. But, man, just it's a crucial piece to your game plan every week and being able to give the, the core group of guys that play a live look about what they're going to be facing. 
Man, yeah, that's so good. And so that I love that point about, man, not only do you have to know everything your team does, but you've got to learn and study like without many days in between. It's not like football where you got a whole week, right? Like this ain't Rudy for Notre Dame. Like, okay, I'm going to run the scout. Like you've, you play Duke on a Saturday and then you got to go up to Syracuse on Monday. So man, we're we're going. just offense it's not just a defense it's set plays it's inbounds yes. plays it's yes. sideline out of bounds plays it's tip-off plays like there's a lot that goes into this guys and so those guys do a really good job nice now here's where i want to go next pack is and and you alluded to this when uh you were talking i believe it was about dewey and just what like big dude he is i think when we think of walk-ons we're often like oh like i'm 511 right i'm not even six feet tall and i think a lot of times we're like oh yeah the walk-ons are just some five foot 11 dudes, probably like 170. And uh, he's not Dewey Ferris is six, seven, two, ten. Like this dude is huge. Now, what I want to say is with all of them, I want to make this point loud and clear. While they might not be on the same level of the, the highest elite high level D1 athletes, while they're not maybe Armando Baycott, these dudes, as Pac has already said, are phenomenal basketball players and would run you and me, folks, off the court. Like, so yes, while there might be some margin from the top D1 basketball players to these guys, the rest of the general public is down here somewhere. These dudes are legit basketball players. And so I think it's easy to assume that since they're walk-ons, oh, they're not good. Well, maybe comparatively again, but that is a mistake. Why is that a mistake, Pat Kilby? Well, it's a mistake because number one, if you just you know you just look at North Carolina's history, it's actually more meaningful to be a walk-on, you know, at the University of North Carolina than it might be to play on scholarship somewhere else. And so we've always, as a program, I feel like we've always had um, really good walk-ons and, and athletes fill those yeah. spots. Uh, but man, these guys. But just look at their high school careers, right? So, yeah, um, let's look we, at it. We, we know that um, Creighton Lebo, he averaged 17 points per game in high school. He's as a sophomore. As a sophomore, yep. Yeah. And he's a North Carolina High School Athletic Association state champion. Um, you look at uh, Rob Landry, he's a Greensboro Day School state champion. He averaged, what was it, 17, 18 points per game. Um, in, in the final know, three, I think it was 16 or more in the final three seasons. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And so he's a state champion athlete on a on a really good team. And, and matter of fact, when he was in high school, they upset um, IMG Academy when he was there. And so and he was a key part of that. So these guys can really play basketball. It's and you know, you gotta look at it too. They're going up against Caleb Love, RJ Davis, and Armando Baycott every single day. You know. Sure, they're probably getting their tails kicked because those guys are really good, but you don't think that makes them better? You know, they're they're solid players on their own. Honestly, you you nailed it on the head. Like, here's North Carolina basketball. Here's you know the walk-ons, the biscuit boys, and then here's the general public down <laughs> here. It's, it's just crazy how good these guys actually are, but they don't necessarily get the credit for it. And I know, uh, like, you can look at Walker Miller, right? And yes. At, I, I don't know if he was a walk-on or maybe he got a scholarship down the line, but he transferred to Monmouth, played a huge role, played a huge role. I think he was second-team all-conference for – Last year, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for Monmouth. And so guys like that, they just – they leave playing against All-Americans at North Carolina and go make a huge difference at a mid-major. 
Yeah. So it's it's cool how good they really are. And yeah, and that's even like again, even what that's a great example in Walker Miller, who rarely saw the court at North Carolina just because it's that that much higher, even to go somewhere like Monmouth, which has been a solid school. Obviously, we know the North Carolina connections there with King Rice, and and that's awesome. And another one I had thought of is KJ Smith, who went to Pacific his freshman year and was going like had I think averaged 13 minutes a game as a freshman and was going to be a huge player for Pacific as he went through the years but ultimately was like no I want to go where my dad went came to North Carolina um there was uh that one year his sophomore or junior year where he ended up having to play some minutes early in the year just because of injuries and stuff but really just didn't see the court that much because again it's that difficult at this high a level so again as as Pac has said as I've said Look at these guys' numbers. Dewey Ferris, 10 and 5 in high school. Jackson Watkins as a senior, 12 points, four assists a game. Team captain, all conferences. I mean, it's just these are phenomenal basketball players who have made a decision with their basketball careers because they want to be at a place like North Carolina, be part of this family. And so they, I, this is going to be a strong statement, but they deserve your respect because of how they've sacrificed their own potential fame and renown to come and maybe win a national championship at one of the most prestigious schools in the country. That says a lot to me about who each of these guys are. Absolutely. So uh, let's keep talking about stuff because even while we're talking about, well, let me say this first is the thing is a lot of times part of the reason for making this decision is that putting on the uniform itself is the reward you recognize that you're probably not going to get much playing time unless you're on a phenomenal team that's just blowing everybody out or a terrible team that's getting blown out. You're just probably not going to get many minutes. Um, And so getting on the court is the cherry on top of being part of this roster, putting the uniform on. But at the same time, Pac, where I want to go next with this is there are moments where you have to be ready because you never know. Now it's not the same thing as like Jacoby Criswell has to be ready because as soon as Drake may gets an injury, he's in, it's not that level, but let's use Stillman white as an example, came to North Carolina as a freshman in the 11, 12 season. Um, and so um, was filling in for Kendall Marshall because remember uh, Dexter Strickland, now Baden Jackson went down earlier in the season with an ACL and then we, we talked about that Creighton, how much we hate Creighton, not Creighton Lebo. We love you, homie, but the University of Creighton um, because of Ethan Rogge. I will never forget the dude's name, broke Kendall Marshall's wrist and hurt Carolina's chances to show Kentucky that they were the best team in the nation. Um, but Stillman White hops in, helps Carolina get past Ohio in the Sweet 16, but then they just can't do enough to get past Kansas in the elite eight. So had that experience as a freshman called into duty, then goes on his Mormon mission for two years, comes back in the um, 14, 15 season. And then as a senior in the 16, 17 year, we get to that elite eight game with Kentucky, another elite eight experience for him. Um, Joel Berry, poor guys out there just twisting and tweaking ankles all over the floor and um seventh woods got into some foul trouble he picked up two first half fouls so coach williams sends in our man stillman white i love this story i I think so often we remember luke may we remember all the stuff we forget what stillman white did in the first half he comes in gets a bucket 
draws De'Aaron Fox's second foul, sending him to the bench along with Bam Adebayo, like two of the biggest names in the young stars in the NBA, and then gets an offensive rebound and almost has another important basket, but he like kicks it out of bounds. And so Stillman White comes into that game when honestly, for me, when Joel Berry goes out seventh, gets in that foul trouble pack, I was like, dude, Kentucky might start running away with this thing. Stillman comes in, does some things to steady the ship, puts Deer and Fox on the bench, and a couple hours later, Luke May's a hero. Now, I'm not saying Stillman White is ultimately responsible for that, but he was part of the winning of that game. Make yeah. no bones about it. So while you're probably not often going to play in a role, you have to stay ready. What, yeah. what what do you talk about with your teams with that of like, hey, I know you typically don't get in the game, but here's why you as a player need to always be ready. Well, first of all, shout out to Roy Williams, because that is to great me call. Great partially call. a uh, mark of a great coach, right? Like everybody on that roster is prepared and Roy had Stillman White ready to go. And, and then shout out to Stillman because he was ready to go, right? Yeah. And, um, that's kind of what you talk about as a coach. You do your job to make sure everyone's prepared. Everyone understands the game plan. Everyone's ready because like you said, you just don't know. Uh, you hope that you don't get to a point where <laughs> you're just reaching down the bench further and further. But if you do get to that point, you've got to, you know, you've got to prepare your players, which Roy did. And then, you know, on the flip side, it's like a, it's like a give take, right? As a coach, we've got to prepare, but then the players, also have to, to step up and rise to the occasion and be ready to go themselves and then display that on the court. And so, um, and that's exactly what Stillman did. And then um, Jackson Simmons comes to mind also. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he was uh, a, man, I loved Jackson Simmons. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah he was a walk-on. I think he ended up earning a scholarship eventually, but he just is a guy that came in and was uh, not, I don't even think it was because of injury. He just earned himself he earned a minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was it uh was it a Florida State game where he came in and just like kind of yep. helped stem the tide and Carolina eventually won? Was that that yep. game? That's it. Yeah, I believe he finished that game with 16. I'm <laughs> not certain with that, but I believe that's what it was. So, Keep talking. I'll I'll look it up while you're going. Yeah, yeah. And he just my point is these guys are they're coming in, they're working their tail off, and um they do such a good job of staying ready. And you know, if you think about it it's not exactly easy to do because you don't expect no. to play as a walk-on. It's like you said earlier, you're there because you get the privilege of wearing that Carolina blue uniform. And uh, it's not something where you expect it, but they stay ready. And then they even fight to earn spots just like Jackson Simmons did. And just like Stillman White did. And so these guys are, man, they're really special to, to have people like that on your team. I'm not I'm not looking at the right season for him, but Jackson had a, a big con contribution. Uh, just I can't find what it was. Somebody let us know what we're missing. What year was that? And what did he do? Uh, we'll get that. Uh, but Jackson Simmons, what a great contribution. Loved what he did there. Now, um, something else I, I want to ask about that I probably should have brought up earlier, Pac, is so when these guys get in at the end of a game, I love how engaged the regular rotation players stay on the bench. Um, they go absolutely bonkers when these dudes make a play. Why do you think it means so much to them to see these guys succeed or, or get in the game and do something? Sure. Yeah. Well, for one, I think um, these guys have great relationships. Uh, I can speak on behalf of Brady, right? You know, 
Brady has the infamous TikToks with with the Biscuit Boys, and so <laughs> these guys have really good relationships with these players, and so I think they're you know first of all they're just excited that their friends are out there making plays, you know. But secondly, those guys, the Biscuit Boys, and the guys on the bench, they do such a good job of bringing energy and communication and things like that throughout the entire game for them, they're paying it back. And so uh, anytime they make a play and, you know, they're, they're cheering them on, they're rooting them on. And then the other thing is the crowds amp, the crowds into it. Cause if the biscuit boys are in, that means we're playing for a hundred points. So they're kind of feeding off of that energy too. And so um, it's, it's, it's really cool to see all that happen. Yeah. And I, that's such a good point about the the friendship, the relationships there, because I think people might think like, oh, we've got the elite players and then the other guys just hang out like, no, a, a basketball team, any sports team. It's all of us, man. We are all in this together. And so it's not it's not that's like, oh, that's that guy, Rob Landry. Don't know. Like these dudes are dudes all together. This is a unit, a squad, a team. If they are not that you are not going to see them be successful. One to 15 or one to 17, however many you have out there, uh, we are all in on this. Now, uh, one other thing we we should bring up with this um, is that a lot of these guys are called up, in North Carolina scenario specifically, uh, North Carolina's context, is a lot of these guys are called up from the JV squad. Carolina is one of the few schools left in the nation that still has a JV squad. In fact, North Carolina's JV team plays my alma mater, Milligan University in Johnson City, T- Johnson City, Tennessee. Shout out to the Buffs. Um, and so that's super cool that they do that. Um, you know, famously, Coach Roy Williams coached the JV team. Hubert Davis coached the JV team. Um, Coach Brad Frederick did last year. And now we just re- we just learned this week, Jackie Manuel is going to be taking over that program this year. And so he's going to get some great experience. Really excited for that for him. Um, and so what, what, why do you think it's important and why do you think it's just neat that North Carolina maintains this team? Well, first of all, I think it's important because it's part of our tradition. It's part of our culture. Mm. Yeah. Um, we value that and the players seem to, and the coaches seem to. And I say that because look at, like you mentioned, the coaches that have coached that program, it's obviously valuable. It obviously means something if, we're placing those people in charge of that program. And so it's valuable for the kids because like you said, uh, or valuable for the players, because like you said, they get called up to be a biscuit boy or to be part of the blue steel, whatever you want to call it. And uh, uh, love blue steel, <laughs> man. That's, that might be my favorite cause I'm a huge Zoolander fan. So I always loved the, the blue steel moniker. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still refer to them as the blue steel. I, and I know now it's the Biscuit Boys, so I gotta I gotta up my terminology. But <laughs> I always just say blue steel, but it's just it's important to them. It's important to the coaching staff, and it's a part of Carolina tradition and Carolina culture. And I just think it's it's really um, important that we continue that. Hmm. Speaking of that uh, tradition and culture, for two of these guys, specifically Jackson and Dewey, they are seniors this year. Now I. I Honestly, I studied if other schools around the country do this to the level that North Carolina does, but that means that they're going to get an opportunity to start a North Carolina basketball game. And that is so stinking cool to me. And by the way, you will all recall that last year's final regular season game was in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Something good happened that night. But that means that this year, 
Carolina's senior night is going to be against Duke. So for the rest of their lives, Jackson Watkins and Dewey Ferris will be able to say that they started a basketball game against the Duke Blue Devils in the Dean Dome. How cool is that, Pat Kilby? That's awesome. And I hope they come out spraying all over Duke. <laughs> yes. I mean, it would just like so when it, it energizes things and it's just got this different, just different vibe. And, you know, eventually the regulars are going to check in and, and that'll be great. But, um, man, just excited to see that. And I love that they have the anticipation of that moment. So, um, man, a- anything else to say about these guys? Obviously, as we project to the year ahead, it's the same thing. We don't anticipate that they will get much playing time other than in blowouts. Um, with the 20-game ACC schedule, you have fewer cupcakes on your schedule, but we hope that they get some opportunities to get some good minutes in. And, and what are you looking for as a coach in that time when the walk-ons come in at the end of a game, Pack? Well, you, you know, the main thing is you just want to see them compete. You want to see them get after it. Um, it's hard really to say we want you to execute really well because the focus isn't always great. For one, the crowd's just all over the place because they're in. But, you know, you're also up 20-plus points usually. So focus isn't great. But if they're in there competing, they're not, you know, just jacking around, turning the ball over, things like that. Those are the things you want to see. And then you want to see them having fun and, doing the things that make the bench excited and get the crowd riled up and all that good stuff. And these yeah. guys, man, they're, they're awesome. They'll, they will do just that. I love it. So folks, please, 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 please. I hope you have paid good attention. Uh, if you didn't know much about these guys, hopefully you got to learn some about them today. If not, go find out more and please, if you would give some love to Dewey, give some love to Creighton, give some love to Rob, give some love to Jackson and let these guys know how thankful you are that they are part of the North Carolina family. Yes. So that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, another recruiting interview. We're going to talk about Zayden High, who just recently scheduled his official visit to North Carolina for September 30th. Could be a great power forward to bring in next year because another power forward decided not to come to North Carolina. Uh, and we want to thank you for joining us today. You can follow PAC on Twitter at Coach underscore K23. You can follow the show at Locked on Heels, and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Now for your second listen, go check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview, an eight-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the 2022 NFL season. The local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey NFL Insiders all combining into one Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pack and I want to thank you for hanging out with us on Hump Day, tuning in, listening to the very last of the roster previews. But we'll have more great stuff coming for you next Wednesday with Coach Pat Kilby and myself. But as for today, we want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace!